K-A-L-W. So this is Greg Eskridge from Uncuffed, coming at you from the San Quentin side of the world. Today I'm in the media center, got the fellas with me, we at the round table. And today's topic, we're talking about death and talking about coping inside of prison and how and how the fellas deal with deal with these tough times when they come up. So we're gonna kick it around today and just have a little conversation about that. So so with me today, I got Shakur. What up, though? I got Nate. What's happening? I got Young Tan. What? <laughs> and I got Young EZ, man. What's going on, y'all? What's happening with y'all today, man? How's everybody doing today, man? Yeah, oh, we chilling, man. Good. Good. Well. Straight, What's your? Okay, so so anyway, man, so like I said earlier, man, today we talked about loss and, and just how we deal with it. We want to just kind of just kick around and just see the, some of the ways that that when, when something tragic happens and, you know, we get that bad news, how we deal with it. So, Nate, I'm going to kick it at you first. Nate, man, talk about that. You know, I usually sing when, to deal with stressors. I use <laughs> music as a way to soothe, you know, my emotional unrest. You know, like, I'm no Luther Vandross, but a chair is still a chair. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. You know, you know, how, how do you deal with it, Edmund? I mean, how I deal with with loss in prison. Like one of my fears being incarcerated is losing my mother. I think that's something that we all can resonate with. Absolutely. Uh, one of the ways that I do cope with it is I write poetry. That's right. And then when I do get a chance to talk to my mother, like I share it with her, you feel me? Mm. So that's how I cope with it. That's yeah. deep right that's there. That's right, got to spread the love. love. For sure. Yeah. On the real though, man, you know, you know, I lost my moms, man. And mm. uh, it was really that. difficult for me wow. to, to cope while I was in prison, while I was locked up. And one of the ways that I did that was listening to music. Purple Rain was, got, helped me get through that, you know. Yeah. Why, why Purple Rain, man? Why Purple Rain? I mean, you know, when he says, I never meant to cause you any trouble. I never meant to cause you any pain. I only wanted to see you laughing in the Purple Rain. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That's deep. Man. Okay, yeah, I feel that's, that. how, that's exactly how I feel, man. Yeah, that's real deep, man. Yeah, you know, man, kind of on like a personal note, man, I got like last week, y'all, I got two letters, man. One from my cousin and one from my mother, right? I opened up the first letter from my cousin, and he told me that his little two-year-old daughter was in the hospital fighting cancer. Mm. Wow, then I opened up the next letter, and my mother was telling me that my grandmother, she was in the hospital because her cancer was spreading throughout her body, right? right. So I get this, thank you, man. I, I, you know, and I get this news, man, and, um, and one thing, like you guys say, man, it's hard, to, it's hard to lose people up in here because there's really nothing, there's nothing we can really do. We can't go to the funeral. We can't grieve with our family, so we basically just stuck up in here, you know. But uh, but for me, man, so what I did was, you know, I prayed, of course, and then tried to meditate, and then you know got back, tried to get back into my day-to-day activities, exercising, you know. But uh, but today we're here because of Young Tom. You know, Tom brought us a story, mm-hmm. and uh, so Tom, won't you go ahead and tell us about what you uh, what you put together for us? For sure, for sure. So. Uh... I put together the story about Maserati E, my good friend, man. He's home, man. Freedom 2019. I'm with it. So I'm excited because the story is about how he deals with pain and how he dealt with like losing losing a loved one. And uh, me, I was performing music all over San Quentin with Maserati E, man. And like, I really felt that soul in him, man. I felt like he had a story that needed to be told, man. And that's what this is all about. So I wanted to give him that platform. That's big, that's what's man. What's up? That's big. Let's go. Well, let's, let's hear get it, to it. Drop it. Push play. No lie. Yeah. Yeah. 
place for me Maserati E my name is Eric Abercrombie, aka Maserati E. Um, I've been doing music forever and a day. Uh, I picked up the guitar in 2012 in Old Folsom, and music is my passion. That's my life. That's my everything. For me, I do my music mainly because it's therapeutic. It's the only way I could really get suppressed emotions and thoughts and stuff like that out. I can't really express myself through speaking like how I can through the music. I don't necessarily have to say a word, but once I play the guitar, play the piano, anything like that, it's like I'm letting it all out. I could allow my emotions to be heard and be felt. It's like so visceral. I've been up all night, too much anticipation. I've been waiting my whole life, but I'm tired of waiting. So it's like, when my brother got killed, the music definitely got me through it. I wrote uh, quite a few songs about it. It's in like a lot of my lyrics, you know what I mean? No lie, I just gotta stay alive, man. Cause tomorrow ain't promised to nobody. Can't nobody. It definitely helped me get through my morning, I guess you could say. And uh, it really helped me with accepting it. Cause for like quite some time, it didn't even seem real. It was like, man, this shit is crazy. But then, you know, like through the music, I was able to really, like, able to really vent and not just suppress it. Cause I wasn't talking to nobody about it. Like, I was also like fake ass bravado type. You know what I mean? Like, I'm good. I'm good, ain't nothing wrong, like I'm just chilling this, that, and the other, but inside I was sick. Trying to find me a better way to stack this money to the sky, make it elevate. Planning like a mastermind each and every day. And it was like hella songs that I was making, I wasn't showing nobody because I was exposing that pain, exposing that sickness, but then eventually it got to the point where it was like, I felt like people gotta hear this because I know I wasn't the only one going through that. You know what I mean? Like the people that I was around, you feel me? I'm from Oakland and like, People get killed all the time. Like, got hella dead partners for real, for real. So it was like, when it's so frequent, you know what I mean? When it's so frequent and it happens on a frequent basis like that, I mean, eventually you're gonna get used to it. You're gonna become desensitized to death and things like that. Even though it, it still hurt, but it start not to hurt as bad as it used to. Music, like I said, is my form of therapy. So it's like, me and my bros, you feel me, it was like, we going through the same stuff. So I started kind of feeling kind of selfish a little bit. Knowing that to a certain degree, it was making me feel better. So based on that, I know that it was relatable to a lot of other people. I started kind of exposing that and it was being felt. And then they was able to feel a sense of release through me. Broke now trying to build up, trying to stack to the ceiling. Hungry like the children in the African village. I know it's gonna get greater later, man. Trying to speak it to existence while I say them things. I learned you gotta go through hell to get to heaven. I will never give up on my mission. No matter what life go my way, cause I'm way too ambitious. So I'ma shoot my shot, I got way too So that was Maserati E. Mm -hmm. Maserati is finally free out there in the world now to make but, his music. That's right. For sure. Uh, and you that gotta was a, get to hell to get to heaven. Yes, but, sir. I yes, feel sir. it. And that was a piece by Tan Tran. Yes, yes. Oh boy, Tan put that together, man. Him and Maserati sat down, both of them musicians. But Tan, I'm, I'm, I'm just curious, man, because as a, as a musician yourself, man, yeah. to, to sit down with a fellow musician and 
to come up with something so dynamic as this piece, man. I mean, like, what was, like, what was the, the like, what was the thought process with you, just you and him, just coming together and, and, and collaborating like that, bro? So I was like, man, this is a story that needs to be told because I was like, if this resonates with me, and I know so many men in here write music, you know what I mean? Like everybody, like I won't say everybody, but there's a lot of men in here that write music as an expression of their soul. I feel like in these bars, we get the realest, rawest form of hip hop, you feel me, of just music. Because in here, like we really going through it. Like we considered the bottom cast of society, the slums, you know what I mean? We the slum dogs of this society. You know Absolutely. what I mean? And True. that shows in our music, that desperation, that hunger, you know what I mean? That that feeling like we ain't come from nothing, we ain't got nothing, but look, here we are, hear me. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, and that goes to show you, man, when you don't have that, when you don't have that that avenue, that release, man, you know, because that, just like you say, music, because I know for me growing up in the 80s, man, listening to NWA, even though it was gangster rap, whatever you call it, whatever you want to call it, but it was like, it was reality for us, because mm. it was like we hearing these dudes on the microphone talk about the very thing that's going on in our communities. Mm. You know what I mean? And so just to be able to have that release, so it was like, even though I wasn't on the mic, but I had somebody on the mic saying something that yeah. I related to. I hear that. Nate, how you feeling about that, Nate, man? I can remember getting up, listening to people like Aretha Franklin, mm. Al Green, Marvin Gaye, you know, those kind of sounds resonated in my house <laughs> on a daily basis. That's right, OG. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I can definitely uh, 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 get with that, man, because uh, so I just remember growing up, man, in, in the household, man, like every Saturday, like Nate was talking about the music getting played in the house, every Saturday morning, I would get up when I was young, watch cartoons, and then around 11 o'clock, like clockwork, soul train to come on, right? Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> and everybody in the house, it was like, no matter what was going on, if moms was in a bad mood or, my, or you know, whatever was happening in the house, right? Soon as Soul Train came on, everybody got around the TV, and you would just see everybody just dancing. You would just see the vibe, man. You know, so that just really just showed me at a young age that music was really powerful. Mm. You know, I mean, I didn't really understand the depths of it then, but now as I'm a little older, I can really see it because you know now sometimes when I'm sitting in the cell and and I'm and I want to hear something, I want to reminisce on something, I might throw in some Izzy Brothers, and it'll take me right back to a moment. When I was out in the street, whatever mm. that moment was. Uh, what resonated with me is kind of talking about how we're conditioned to act and not to feel. Mm -hmm. And never taught taught to to kind of express our emotions or vent in any type of any type of way. So him kind of like looking within himself and finding music as this outlet is is so important. And I feel everybody needs to find that release. Absolutely. It makes me think about like the first time I ever even wrote a poem. I was like 12 years old, right? And my, fo and my foster sister, she had two babies and then Child Protective Services came and snatched them up from her. They snatched them because she was on drugs and she couldn't quit drugs. And then they took them, when I remember when they took my two nieces away, I basically helped raise those babies. Like it, like it broke my heart. And at 12 years old, I was already a gang member. And I was already instilled from like a very young age that, you know, boys don't cry, boys don't show emotion, and we don't talk about these things. And like for me at that moment, like mm -hmm. I didn't have no other outlet. I didn't know where to go. But I remember my sister had this old beat up compact computer. It man at the one of them big bubble monitors, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. So uh 
I remember that I just opened up a Word document and I just typed the poem. I, I don't remember exactly what I wrote in that poem, but I remember for that first time, I'll never forget the way I felt when I wrote that poem. You know what I mean? I felt like there was release. Like I felt like there was some weight off my shoulders and I cried, like I, I really cried after I wrote that poem. And then I knew from that moment on that I have a tool now. Like mm -hmm. in my young mind, I didn't call it no tool at that time, but I knew though like I can do this when I'm really hurting and it helps. And uh, personally, I know Edmund, man. Like, I know you got something to say on this, man. What, how you feeling about that? Man, like, just just sitting back and thinking about systems. Mm. Like, all of us mm. just express, like, some, some form of conditioning. Mm -hmm. And the system that I see is patriarchy. Mm. It, tells, it tells men as a function you can't feel. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And just looking back, like, how I was raised... I couldn't, I couldn't cry. If I, got, if, if, if I started to cry, I would get in trouble. I would get beat mm -hmm. for acting essentially like a girl or a female. Yeah. So it's like this verbal and physical abuse. And when you're five or six, year, six years old, it's like, who do, who do you turn to? Mm. If this is happening in the household from the people that are supposed to take care of you. You know what I'm saying? And like, I ran away so often. You know what I'm saying? Like. Yeah. I didn't want to be in the situation. So, like, I suppressed a whole lot of emotions. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So as I got older and I found found poetry, like, that was my release. Like, I could speak to this paper. Mm -hmm. And now that I have a platform where other people can look at this, pe this, this piece of paper with my emotions on it wow. and be like, I resonate with that. Yeah. I, know what, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I can relate to it. Um, when I was a, as a as a youth, I, I mean, I was real young when I was taught that it wasn't cool to show emotions, and the emotion that was mostly accepted was the emotion of anger, and I was able to express that without with uh, impunity, so to speak. I have an I had an opportunity when I was young to vent, but not in a constructive way. I believe I believe that it was a very destructive way, and I was trained from an early age to be like this. And it, like you said, it came from the home. It was a home right. environment. It wasn't nothing that was pitched outside. I had to pick it up in the locker room or something like that. It <laughs> yeah. was like, I, I need yeah. you to go out there and beat his ass. And if you come on here and crying, I'm going to beat your ass. So Man, yeah. same, it, same was kinda like, it was kind of like it was kind of like What do I what Factual. ass whooping do I want? Do I, do I want it from the little guy or or or, or Big Mama? You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I think I'll take my chances with the lesser of the two evils, and I'm going to go out there and prove that I am what you want me to be. Through a lot of different mechanisms now, you know, and, and a lot of people who might listen to this may be able to relate to this, it's not the only way to go. The way to go is to be in touch with you and be your authentic self. And if that means showing vulnerability, and if that means crying or showing some type of emotion, some type of release, then do that, you know? Because I don't want you to end up next door to me. You know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. True that. One thousand. All right. So when talking about, you know, talking about growing up and, and, and having these different feelings that you know we, uh, for me that I that I kept inside, I know one of the things I wish I could I wish I could have been able to say was that um, that I really need to be loved. You know, I really need to be cared for, and I didn't get that. And I didn't know how to ask for that because I had this 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 idea of of men can't 
be vulnerable, be weak and all that. So I was like, man, how can I, how can I tell my family that I'm hurting right now? You know what I mean? How can I say to my, how can I go to my moms my, or my pops and say, man, I'm, uh, I'm not feeling good right now. I, I, I don't feel like I'm being loved. I, I don't feel like I'm being heard without them saying, boy, get your ass in, outside and go play. You know what I mean? So, you know, so for me, man, just trying to have that, uh, having that, that release valve, you know, would have been, would have potentially changed my life, man. When I did this piece with Maserati, like, man, it, it really hit me like, like a bag of bricks when he talked about his brother passing away. And uh, it made me, th it made me feel it like, it made me think about my cousin that passed away, you know, that, and that deeply affected me, like me and my family. Cause I was 15 years old, deep in the gang lifestyle. My cousin, he was a square, he was a student body. You know what I mean? And then one of my older cousins, he just got out the pen, you know, as man, it gets slimy. He still had enemies. And then so they, a drive-by happened and my cousin got killed. And I remember how badly like, that just messed me up for the longest, for the longest. I was so hurt behind that. My uncle and them, they, they blamed us for it, you know, and rightfully so. Like we were the gang members, you know. My cousin wasn't a gang member and, and he got smoked because of us. I couldn't talk, I, like I remember at his funeral, like the hatred I seen in my uncle's eyes for me, you know, like, and then like literally our last conversation, he said, why my son? He said, why my son? Y'all was the gang members, why my son? Damn. I'm gonna bring it to like relatively recent. Like on New Year's in 2018, my son was killed by police, mm. right? And so I, I, like, I'm glad I had done the work because a whole lot of feelings was coming up for me. You're talking about anger, you're talking about rage, right? And I wanted to act on that. I wanted to get high. I wanted to, I wanted to I, it didn't feel good at all, mm. right? But one of the things that I did do was, like, I listened to some of the most dark music I can find, huh. you know, Factual. as a way to cope. Like, yeah. I'm not acting out these feelings, but this is how I feel. So I, I listened to a Brother Lynch Hung. I don't mm. know if you guys heard of him. Yeah, insane. But, yeah, he's, he's like a sick rapper. What? <laughs> right? And please don't judge day, me. Day, 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 day. <laughs> what? But the thing was, I was able to listen to him, and he was saying things that I felt. I was able to listen, like, to N.W.A., right? They were saying things that I felt, right? You know, F the police, right? Uh but I wasn't acting out on those. Mm. So that lets me know that I was able, like, like, that there's growth in me and I'm able to cope, you know, by listening to that, such, that music and exercising. Yeah, that's a form of release. Man, I appreciate everybody coming together, man. Time, shout out to you too, bro, sure. man, for, uh, for blessing us with that, with that masterpiece, man. That was deep, man. As, and as you can see, man, that, we went for music and we, you know, we, we went all the way around. You know, we think we touched on every emotion possible, you know what man. I mean? All based on, uh, mm. on what you presented us with, man. So, uh, so for the audience out there, man, this is uncuffed. This is what we do. Real, raw, authentic, you know what, what? I mean? It's just cats sitting up in, the, up in the booth and we just giving you our hearts. We're giving you our real, you know what I mean? And we just hope that y'all love that love and like that what we do. So we uh so yeah man so once again shout outs to Maserati E Maserati E for real for real the young phenom out there man make us you know make us all proud out there baby make us proud man we all cheering for you. No lie, this is Eric Maserati E Abercrombie. So I've been out for about like three months now. I got out August seventh. 
So first of all, first of all, first of all, I paroled in a pink suit. It was it, it was stylish. It was like like it was like a pit bull type style suit. Like that's my description of it, right? Super super dope though. Like no lie, I'm sitting in this little holding cell. It's about like seven thirty, if even that, and um. Like it still didn't hit me yet. And my nerves are just going crazy. And I got my guitar and I just start playing. I just start playing and that kind of eased my nerves a bit. But like when I got in the van and we went past that first gate, that's when it like really just hit me like, damn, I'm going home. Like the fam is waiting on me on the other side of this gate. Like it's real. I'm definitely still playing music. Um, So... Um, my boy Antoine Banks Williams. He was just recently released from San Quentin as well. Um, co-creator and sound designer for Ear Hustle. Uh, he just was recently released, and me and him are actually working together on music. Um, we actually have a six-month tour right now doing high schools and colleges. Um, we're doing our music as well as like motivational speaking, like utilizing the power of the narrative. Music plays a huge role in my life. Um, for me, composing music is very cathartic. Um, it's very therapeutic for me. Uh, so, like, I still compose pretty frequently, um, writing the lyrics, not playing the guitar as much, still playing, though, for sure. I think being a musician inside of prison, it allowed me to be more accepted, I think, because I was able to connect with people in a very visceral type of way. Like music is like very emotionally charged. So like that's where like certain connections was made. So like it was cats I ain't never talked to a day in my life, like heard me do my thing on the yard or something like that in a pull up. You know what I mean? Next thing you know, we chopping it up and like hella cool and it'd have been it's like people that like would at least expect, you know what I mean? Like from various different backgrounds and ethnicities, you know what I mean? It was a trip. Uh, so I think like music, being a musician on the inside, definitely like, I don't know, it made my prison experience just that less arduous. You know what I mean? It was just that less, that much more less difficult. Thanks for listening. You can find Uncuffed on the radio at KALW 91.7 FM at weareuncuffed.org. Or you can subscribe to Uncuffed in any podcast player. The Uncuffed crew at San Quinn is... Chanton Bunn. Nathan McKinney. Edmund Richardson. Tommy Shakur Ross. Tan Tran. And me, I'm Greg Eskridge. Thanks to the team at KALW Public Radio, Nina Gensler-Debs, Angela Johnston, Andrew Stelzer, Marissa Ortega-Welch, Ben Trefney, and Eli Workchafter. Thanks to David Jossie, the Swedish phenom, here at San Quinn for our music. And thanks to the staff at San Quinn who make this all possible. Skylar Brown and Lieutenant Sam Robinson who approves all content from Uncuffed. We fact check everything to the best of our ability. Uncuffed gets support from the California Arts Council and the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. Until next time. We out.